I'm Stephen John Drew from the official GunnaGeek.com show, a weekly geek news podcast that is a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Crash Couch. We are here for Season 5 of The Expanse, and we have a fresh face this time. Uh, joining me, I'm your host, Chris McGuffin, first of all. Uh, joining me is my trusty co-pilot, Joel. Joel, how are you? I'm doing well on whatever day it is today. I'm losing track. <laughs> it's like being in space, and it's just one day after another. But uh, yeah. I'm good. I'm well. Thanks. Good to know. And our fresh face this time, you may have heard him when we did our Crawl Suffer episode with the Sci-Fi Pubcast. His name is Derek. Derek, how are you? Hey, hey. More of a fresh voice since we're not doing video, but sure. That is true. <laughs> that is true. Fresh voice. Uh, how are we all doing? The Expanse is here, finally. Excellent. It, we got it. It's like, like, I can't believe we've waited. It's, you know, a week and a half before Christmas when these episodes dropped on December 15th. And I've been watching them nonstop. One of the best uh, sci-fi TV shows in the last couple of decades, in my humble opinion. And books. And books. Yeah, the books are great. Yeah, I, I wouldn't know because I don't know how to read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was looking forward to this season in particular because season I mean uh, book four is not my favorite book, so like book five is where it really starts to pick up. So I'm looking forward to this one. Nice. Well, uh, before we get started, um, we did have some very kind of sad news. Um, after this season, we're going to have season six uh, next year, and then that's it. No more The Expanse. Yeah. How do you guys feel about that? Well, we just have to go to space uh, in real life, right? We just have to yeah. send more people uh, you know, outside of Earth into the solar system. What do you guys think? That's just the next step, right? Just the next step. And it's, it's like a evolutionary, you know, you know, progression of humanity. Let's go with that. Yeah. Derek, do you think that uh, season six ending or ending with season six is the right choice? Knowing since because you're a book reader and I'm not. So you can probably kind of tell where they might decide to end. Yeah, I, I won't spoil anything, but ending with season six will be a very natural stopping point. So I, you know, I, I don't think it, it, there will be closure. So, you know, it's, yeah. it's a good place to stop. And, uh, you know, it's great that we got the three seasons that we did after it got canceled. I mean, that was a real long shot hope and we got three years out of it. So they did get to complete this particular chapter of the saga. So I'm, yeah. I'm happy that we got what we did. And one thing that I kind of want to just put out there is, you know, a lot of people were really upset when they announced that season six would be the last. But here's the thing. I don't think the show's being canceled because it is it's a hit for Amazon. Let's be real. And I mean, it's probably not at the level of some of their other shows. Um, it might be, you know, we can't really see the ratings, but I I've, I hear people talk about The Expanse now. I see it on the Internet. I, I see the books advertised in bookstores. And, you know, you just got to think that it's. It's not being canceled. I mean, Amazon 
you know, took a big risk really putting the show out there. And honestly, they've made it 10 times better than it was when it was just on the sci-fi channel. And this, it was good on the sci-fi channel. So yeah, I, I don't think people should be upset because even the authors um, and some people in production have said that, you know, just because this part of the story is ending and, you know, from what you said, Derek, it sounds like it's going to be a natural ending point. You know, we might get the rest of the tale later in like a spinoff series or not necessarily spinoff, but just like a later continuation. Uh, what about yeah. a, th- a theatrical release? Think about it. Yeah. Think big guys. You know, if Star Trek can do it, so can the expense. I they would, would love make good movies. Movie. I will say that. Can you, can you imagine this show on, on a big budget? Yeah. Like, I mean, it just... already looks like a movie, but I mean, it yeah. could get even bigger. Yeah. And I'm thinking books seven, eight and nine, when nine is released, uh, without going into any of the details, that would make for one great movie, one awesome you know, movie that uh, you can probably see it on Amazon now since most movies are going to be streaming rather than being in cinemas. But who knows? This is in the future. Yeah. yeah. And Joel, maybe by then you'll actually be um, appreciative of the CGI. Uh, yes, exactly. If uh, And when uh, that gets up to speed to my, my high standards. Of course. <laughs> you know, you, you say one remark on a very early episode of The Expanse about the CGI looking kind of funky. And yeah, you know, it's three years later. And yeah, I'm still, you know, being asked about CGI. I love it. Yeah, I was going to say the CGI looks incredible. <laughs> it, it is. Yeah. But <laughs> this year anyway. Yeah. It, it, I think it's outstanding. And I, I've been watching these episodes on a smart TV and a very large one. And it reminds me of uh, a video game at times with some of the space scenes. And I still love yeah. the fact that, uh, you know, they uh, they take into account the physics of things in space with with things being, you know, without any weight to the things and, 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 and uh, without gravity. And I just still love the science of the show. When you say like a video game, is that as a compliment or an insult? I think it's a compliment. Uh, I don't. Okay. I mean, it doesn't look like Pac-Man. Let me just say that. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we're here to talk about the first three episodes. Uh, we're not doing just a an episode by episode thing like we used to, um, since they all just dropped uh, the first three at once. You know, we're just going to sort of take the characters and just kind of go one by one for all all of the main characters. Um, just where where they're at in the story what we like, what we don't like, sort of the projection from there. And another thing, too, is that this season is being launched weekly episodes, which I don't know about you guys, but I love that. Yeah, I hate it when they dump a whole season at once because there's just instantly spoilers everywhere. Like one, like a few people watch it, like, you know, all through the night and then just proceed to ruin it for everyone else. I like to watch one a day, one a week. Absolutely. Uh, you look at it, it's dropping, I think, every uh, Wednesdays, right? So the next one is going to be mm-hmm. December 23rd, December 30th, January 6th. Oh, is it, it's not Fridays? I think it's... Uh, I'm pretty sure it's up. Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. so it's like December. Well, that makes sense because they did drop it early on a Tuesday. And I thought that was so weird because I was like, well, they went from Friday to Tuesday? Hell yeah. And I think with Amazon shows too, they are, are a little lenient with when they get released. Uh, I remember when um, I was a fan of The Man in the High Castle, and when that final season launched, I think it was, I don't know, I'm here in Central Time, and I want to say it was like maybe 10, 10.30 when that actually got launched. So it was a few hours um, before it was actually supposed to come out, which was nice, because I did get to watch the first episode of that when it launched. Unless you guys have anything to say, we can probably get right into it. Yeah, uh, so there's like three episodes that got released on December 15th for season five. Mm-hmm. 
right? So their titles is episode one is Exodus. Episode two is The Churn or Churn, which is based off the short story, uh, which is great, by the way. Even with their short story, the novella, definitely read that. Mm -hmm. And the third episode of season five is called Mother. So uh, lots of things happened in these three episodes. And I must admit, I think these first three episodes, the pacing wasn't, you know, fast. This season is going to be such a slow burn. You can feel Mm -hmm. the tension in the air, right? Or on your TV screen when you watch the first couple of these episodes. You know bad things are happening and there's going to be a shakeup. And it's like watching a train crash in slow motion. It's like, uh, oh, especially if you read the books, you know what's going to end up happening. But even if you didn't read the books, yeah, they're telegraphing a lot of things right now. And it's excellent. It's great storytelling. I thought it was a really good idea to tell us up front that the asteroid was coming because otherwise it would feel very slow. Cause I remember that's the way I felt reading the book. It was like, it was, you know, like these little side stories of like the people doing their own little, you know, side quests. And I was like, well, you know, what the hell is this? It's like a short story collection. It's not a book. And then boom, the asteroid hit. So I'm, I'm glad that they, that they let us know that was coming so that we had something to, dread and look forward to and anticipate so that we knew that this was all going somewhere yeah i do want to talk about the pacing because that's something that i did notice um throughout this because you know usually we are we're used to in, in past seasons seeing all of our characters in somewhat of a group um sometimes they're all together other times you know they might be split up into pairs or into a trio but this time you know, aside from a couple situations where we have Alex and Bobby in episode three and episode two, you don't really see a lot of them being together. They're mostly on their own sort of separate mission or or, or storyline, story arc. And it's just it's really interesting that the way that they're they're doing that, because really had had this show survived just regular TV and, and remained on sci fi, I'd be kind of worried about how that would happen, because I mean, these are like 50 minute episodes and they don't feel too long. They don't feel too short. They just they feel just right. And I think a little bit last season and it could have been just us getting used to it. But I feel like some of the episodes may have been a touch too long or or they had a little bit of padding there. Not often, but just a few times. But this time, like I I was watching this um, last night, the first two episodes, and I just like I, I didn't feel bored. I didn't like I wasn't looking at my phone. I wasn't really lost or anything. It just it just felt like the writing was was just really on point. Um, the way that they paced out each character, the way that they divided their screen time. I was just really impressed with that. We did have some screen time between, say, uh, Jim Horton and Naomi, right? Before Naomi left. Mm-hmm. And yep. my personal favorite uh, in the last couple of episodes is, of course, Amos, right? Amos Burton. Oh, yeah. And his one-on-one with Kristen uh, Ebersarella. Oh my! Just that was just right from the books. Uh, just love that. And it was a short scene, and I believe in episode two, but it's uh, uh, still love it. I think Amos is is my favorite of the season by far at this stage. I think the big difference with uh, season four plus these first three episodes versus the first three seasons was that in seasons one through three they were in constant danger of death at all times. Whereas the just like the storylines as they exist in season four up to now, you know, they're not really in immediate danger. You know, they're they're working with the government. They're not on the run. 
they're a, they're an official mission to this alien planet, and they're supposed to be safe there. Obviously, it gets dangerous as they go on, but you know they're they're not hunted fugitives the way they were in the first three seasons. So it's definitely a different kind of pace than the first three seasons of the show. But that's just the way the story goes. You know, it's the way it has to be. Yeah, Derek. Since you've not really talked, you know, had a, a an outlet to talk about season four on here. What do you like about the fact that it's on Amazon and not having to deal with the restrictions of of regular television? Uh, I mean, regular television versus streaming, it's pretty much all the same to me. The only complaint I have is when episodes are, you know, an hour plus and they're very slow and there's not much going on. But I don't remember being bored with season four. I, I mean, I only watched it the once when it came out a year ago, but I remember enjoying it. It wasn't my favorite book just because, like I said, in the, the first in the first three, they're all hunted fugitives and, you know, the protomolecule is going to break out and kill everyone. Whereas in season four, they're just, you know, OK, we're going to this planet. It's going to be like a Wild West thing. And then eventually there's some death slugs. So it was enjoyable, but it wasn't, you know, my favorite storyline mm-hmm. out of all of them. I actually yeah. appreciate uh, the fact that when there's it's on streaming as opposed to regular television, we get to hear more curse words. I'm all about this word. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a simple man, really. Uh, so there's that. And plus, uh, just from a storytelling point of view, if you need an extra two minutes or five minutes to complete the episode and to put some flesh on the bones, you can take it in streaming, where you can't if it's on regular yeah. television because of commercials. I will say that you know, I, I am not offended by language at all. I, I actually um, en- enjoy the way that it's used in this series. I would like to know how a first-time viewer who maybe, you know, uh, heard about, like, maybe, no, I wouldn't say read the books because that sort of gives it away, but maybe they are in need of sci-fi and only heard about The Expanse through word of mouth. So then they go and watch, like, the first three seasons that were made for TV and then they go to four and five where there's a significant amount of, you know, more language than um, what we heard before. And I wonder if that maybe would feel jarring or turn them off at all. I know it it doesn't for me because, you know, I was, I knew that would happen. I expected it to happen, but for a first time viewer, I wonder how that would feel. Yeah. But Chris, think about this. Look what's happening with humanity, right? There's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, I mm-hmm. want to use more stronger words, but let's just call it stuff. And by like season four, oh my God, stuff's going to change to a different word. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think it may actually help rise the tension of the series if you look at from an overview of the series over the five or six seasons, right? As opposed to just you know, the first three seasons that was on sci fi. Yeah. Personally, I, I don't even notice swearing. So I, I didn't notice that they weren't swearing on the sci-fi seasons and I didn't notice that they were swearing on these ones now. So I was completely oblivious to it. Um, So before we get into talking about pretty much the storylines of all these characters, I do kind of want to address the elephant in the room just very quickly. Um, Obviously, since we last recorded, um, there was an incident uh, with Cass Anvar. Obviously he is still on the show for this season. He's not going to be on the show for season six. I don't know really what the fate of his character is, whether or not he survives the end of the season, whether or not, you know, if he does survive in the books, maybe they'll kill him off. Um, I don't know. I don't really want to know. I just know that he's not going to be in 
season six. And that's a good thing because he's obviously not a good person. Um, say what you want about his acting, but he's just not deserving of, of this kind of um, attention, this kind of role uh, with this kind of fandom and a show as good as this. So obviously we don't here at the Crash Couch don't condone that kind of behavior. We don't support that kind of behavior. Uh, we support the people that were unfortunately victimized by him, including people that we know. So the way that we're going to handle it is we're just not going to talk about him. We're going to talk about the character because as Cass is not Alex and Alex came before Cass. Cass did not create Alex pretty much beating around the bush and trying not to mention Alex would just, and his character would pretty much in, in my opinion, at least uh, discount the source material, discount um, the uh, creation of the two authors. So we're just really not going to talk about Cass, um, you know, his acting or anything like that, but his character should be totally free game. As far as I'm concerned, if you have a problem with that and you don't want to listen, that's perfectly fine. I would hope you would listen, but that's your choice. Feel free, you know, to talk about Alex all you want because he is, this is a fictional show and he is a character that happens to be betrayed by a not so good person. So that's just where we're going to leave it and go from there. Go ahead, Joel. Uh, yeah. And it's funny that Alex, at least in the first three episodes of season five, uh, yeah, he comes off a bit of a loser. He's, you know, his family hates him. Uh, he's abandoned by his, you know, his family years ago, and he has made into like he's a terrible spy. Like he just blunders into traps. He's 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 yeah, he's not doing good, man. Like the, Alex, mm-hmm. the character, yeah, you know, he's helping Bobby as much as, as he can, but he's definitely not the brains of this operation. Well, do you guys want to? I was going to start off with Holden since he's the the main dude, but since we're already on the topic of Alex, do you want to talk about him and I guess segue into Bobby? Yeah, absolutely, guys. Like, it must be home uh, hard to come home after all these years, right? And and then have the reputation of being the first pilot to pilot a, a a ship into a gate, and then he has his reputation to uphold, and and then his mm-hmm. interaction where he's trying to use his fame or at least his connections to get dirt on on, on the illegal arms uh, trafficking and trying to talk to Admiral. Sabateri, I believe. Hopefully, I'm saying that right. Yeah. What do you think, Derek? Uh, that storyline wasn't really grabbing me. I'm I'm much more interested in the other three people's storylines. So you know, it's just kind of there for me. I'm I'm looking forward to see where the Martian uh, weapons dealing goes. But aside from that, it's not really grabbing me. I will say that I think Alex and obviously. Bobby is the one that that sort of brought Alex into um, her story, because I will say him coming back to Mars and dealing with um, rejection from his family does suck from his perspective. I mean, he kind of deserves it, if we're being honest, based on what we know from from the past. He really didn't seem to give them much care until, you know, it's convenient for him. So I guess he kind of had that coming. But I do like the fact that Bobby kind of brought him in, mainly because I think those two work together. Like they, they have a good character chemistry on screen. You know, it's always good to just see Bobby Draper anyway. <laughs> I forgot how much I missed her uh, when she first showed up this season. But I, I'm glad that she has something to do and it, she's not just, you know, she's not fitting into that stereotype 
of just like a badass like soldier or ex-soldier now um which she hasn't really in in the past couple seasons but um it's just good that you know she's not just relegated to the sideline all right and before i forget i think my favorite part of uh at least the second episode i believe it was the second episode uh was the country and western bar where uh, (laughs) alex and bobby meets up uh, with yippee Kaye and all these, you know, saddle up and all the, the the announcements you can hear in the background, as well as you know, just the 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 stuff behind the bar on the walls, all, everything that's on display. You think about that; that's really cool, right? It's, it harkens back to a gone by era, right? The, the old West, and in many ways, we're watching the old West unfold in space, and that's cool. I like that. And if you know anything about Alex, apparently uh, the, the where he, Alex is from in Mars was settled by a mix of I think Texans and uh, people from India or that part of the world thereabouts. And so they have this mix going on where uh, you, you have people descended from from uh, from Indians from like India, I believe, or Sri Lankan, I'm not sure exactly, or Bangladeshian, but with this. Texan drawl happening, and that's where uh, that's how Alex gets his his dialect, his accent. That's cool. I always thought that was a really interesting contrast. Yeah. Yeah. What did you guys think of Bobby kind of doing this for Avisarala? Because I mean, it's just it's kind of funny to me that even after um, she loses her political position, um, she was Secretary General, right? Am I? Correct in that? Uh, yep, that's right. Yeah. Okay. She, um, I even, think she eventually became Secretary General, like in season three. Okay. But yeah, after having, like, I, I, I like the connection that those two had, but it's just, it's funny to me that even after she switches positions um, and, you know, sort of gets demoted because she loses an election. She's still sort of in the background doing some kind of shady work, pulling some strings. It just is very fun to me to see that that is still going on. And the fact that Bobby was able to sort of be the one to lead that front just makes it even better. Yeah, I think they both are trying to uh, gain where the uh, like status that they've, they've, they've lost, right? So Bobby ha- has been course-martialed. She has no rep left, right, on Mars at least. And she's struggling. That's why she went to work uh, with these criminals, right? Uh, And with Abrasarala, it's kind of similar. It's like being outcasted, yet still busy. It's like if you're the United States and you lost the election, uh, the presidential election, but the the administration wants to uh, be nice to you and appoint you, say, I don't know, ambassador to Canada, right? But you still Mm -hmm. want to be work, right? It's kind of like, it's a it's a no nothing position, but she Eversuela is is using it right, and, and still defending the values of Earth and trying to protect Earth because she knows bad things are afoot, that uh, you know bad things are happening, and she's a realist. That's why one of the reasons I love her character. Yeah, she and Bobby are my two favorite characters. So seeing them teaming up and working together is always a good thing in my book. Yeah, and just the thing that I like the most about The Expanse is that nothing feels shoehorned. Like, you don't see, like, let's say you're the writer, and you're like, okay, well, I want Avasarala to sort of initiate this investigation of some, like, black market weapons, but I need a character to do it. 
it's not like, oh, well, Bobby's not doing anything. She's we wrote her to be out of work, be like an an, an exiled, pretty much Martian soldier. You know, we'll just throw her in there because, you know, she's just left over. It feels like that's the path that she's meant to be on. It doesn't feel like, oh, well, the writers just wrote her into that. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. And also, she's not a soldier. She's a Marine. So, yeah, difference. <laughs> Fair so, enough. I love splitting hairs like that. Forgive me. Wait, wouldn't she be a guardian <laughs> since she's in space? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you, Chris. I, I think these characters, they fit and they complement each other. And they still are going ahead on their you know, your their character development based on their own personal motivations and circumstances. That's yeah. good, good writing. I will say that I was kind of surprised when um, Alex is, uh, he goes to have drinks with that one girl trying to get dirt on the Admiral. And just something about her rubs me the wrong way. And I don't want any spoilers, but I just, I just have a feeling that she's going to actually be the one that is doing the, uh, doing the dirty work. Um, and it's not actually the Admiral like Alex suspects. Uh, which would just it, it would make sense get joel given that you had earlier mentioned that he's just sort of like down on his luck and he's you know he's a shitty spy <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly uh, he he is no detective miller we'll go with that <laughs> well yeah. in his defense he did sit through an entire dinner date with her and only tried to ask something at the very end so props for that at least at least he didn't do it at the at the beginning of the date yeah and she true. she tried to seduce him right okay at least she was she was playing her sex appeal on him right okay see what yeah. Ale, what alex should have done is use his own sex appeal you know this is like sex spy stuff 101 really <laughs> he could use his uh his accent or better yet uh maybe offer to make her some lasagna oh yes lasagna <laughs> and coffee in the morning i don't know <laughs> that's yeah one thing, let's go uh, move on to Avasarala. I kind of am a little upset about her marriage because obviously it's not in, in good condition. Um, we saw that at the end of last season and we're still getting the effects of this season. And I just, I feel bad for her because, you know, this is a character that I'm pretty sure we've all liked. I don't think we have any reason to dislike her. And it's just it's sad to see that, you know, she just she just lost the election. She has to be up in space <laughs> managing customs. <laughs> so she told Amos that uh, he wasn't going to get uh, through customs without her. Um, I guess she can be a TSA agent. It's really sad to me to see that um, to see that like, yeah, she did get to see her kid. But I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> But I, I just watched season three before, or not season three, episode three before we uh, started recording this, and she leaves that message with um, with her husband, and she just seems like so lonely and so sad, and I don't want her to be sad. <laughs> yeah, Chris, it's going to be an interesting se- uh, season. Let's just say that I think there's going to be a lot of sad people. Yeah, well. I feel like I'm just always sad at this point in my life. So I guess it would just, it would fit. (laughs) Oh dear Lord. No, man. (laughs) You know, we can ask ourselves, what do you think, what's going to happen in, in episode four of season five, right? How is the story is going to be played out? 
And it's, it's going to be interesting how they're going to tell the story in a, a, a streaming or a television context when, if you read the books, you have a fairly decent idea of what's happening. Just you don't know the order of how it's going to be unfolding. And as apparently uh, episode four is going to be called, and I'm going to butcher this name, the title of the episode is Gagamila, something like that. And that's going to be dropping December 23rd. Joe, I did forget to ask you one very important and serious question. If that Western-themed bar was beside you, would you rather go there or would you rather go to the bar that you actually frequent in real life? I would go to this, you know, the Western bar because it's different. I like changing things up. I like themed bars. Not every day. See, the big gotcha. thing about bars is that you either go because it's a cool bar and you want to experience the theming or the atmosphere, or you go to a bar because you know half the bar like I usually do, right? So uh, that's fair. Yeah, it depends on your, your mood. Well, here's a follow up. Would you rather go to the Western bar or your pub that you have on the Sci Fi Pubcast? Oh, absolutely. The Sci Fi Pubcast. But the problem is, I own th- that <laughs> pub. So sometimes you want to take a, a break away from your own business and just to escape. Just, you know, sit down, <laughs> listen to some, you know, uh, you know, Dolly Parton or whoever, okay, have a, you know, a good little uh, pilsner and just contemplate uh, your, you know, your existential, you know, meaning of life, you know, and your business and all the other problems that you probably face. Oh, I, I usually face, you know, so there you go. <laughs> we have the best food at the podcast, though. Oh, God. Enough. Enough. <laughs> 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 Wrong show, Dan. Wrong show. <laughs> Anything else on Avasarala before we move on? I think no, he should be a great stripper. Didn't have yeah. too much <laughs> yet. Um, yeah, I I will say that um, I was surprised at how little language we got from her because there wasn't a lot. Everyone well, else, he, everyone he hasn't else been was in a really stressful situation yet. Oh yeah, that's true. Well, I feel like given that the last episode ended with her listening to um, Ashford's message and then the asteroid hits, I'm sure that that's just going to raise the stakes or, or raise her stress level a little bit. Probably a little, yeah. Yeah. I just think, a little, though. Yeah. It's almost like there's an analogy in history. Right? It's kind of like she's reminds me of Winston Churchill, especially his second term in office. And if something bad happens, right? Or something bad happened, Darren, you know, uh, uh, in between terms. You have this mm-hmm. historical figure who has been put on the sidelines, and maybe she's called to duty once again for something way, way important when the stakes are couldn't be higher. Yeah. Well, let's move on to Amos, because I loved Amos' storyline in these three episodes. Um, obviously, he goes back to Earth. Uh, we get to see him go back to Baltimore, which looks really interesting. I I wonder, I mean, I've only been to Baltimore once and it was just for like very, very, very briefly, like not even a full day. And I kind of wonder how they would or they went about filming this if they like went and did sort of like a drone shot and just like made it futuristic or if that was just complete like CG. Um, I'd be interested to know how they did those effects. Yeah, I know some of the shots you can tell it's from Toronto where they filmed it at. But the, the the cityscape itself, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they just reuse some uh, sh- uh, shots they use from The Wire, HBO The Wire, because that's yeah. how I, I, that's how I experienced you know, you know Baltimore. I've never been there myself. 
I thought it definitely looked like exiting, existing plates of a modern day city with just CGI overlays on it. It looked like regular buildings with, you know, some sci-fi monorails and solar panels on all the roofs. But otherwise, it looked pretty real. If anybody lives in Baltimore and wants to comment on whether or not this was Baltimore or if it was not, if it even looked a little bit like how you would think a futuristic Baltimore looked, uh, let us know. Be interested to find that out. Yeah, he goes back there, and I feel like, especially in the sci-fi seasons, we didn't really get too much Amos character development. And then last season, it sort of started to rear its head. And I don't know how much of that is just them going off the source material, and they don't really delve deep into his character until midway through the series. But I just, I was a big fan of just we got to see sort of a more almost like a more human side of him and the way he would like grapple with his past or grapple with his like emotional feelings. Um, it was just really refreshing to see. Uh, Chris, let me ask you this. Were you aware of uh, Amos being a, a victim in his childhood of uh, sex crimes and sex trafficking? No. Was, it, was this a surprise when you watched this episode? I was surprised. Yeah. It explains a lot about his character, how he is, you know, he's almost binary in, in, in his, his emotions. He's either on or off, right? Violent mm-hmm. or peaceful, right? And there's no gray. And it's almost because it was a defense mechanism because he was a victim of, 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 of rape, basically, right? Not basically. Yeah. He was a victim of rape. So it's horrendous. And it also explains why he, he went back to Baltimore. He went back to Earth. Uh, after the woman who who uh, took care of him in his you know worst years, uh, Lydia uh, passes away, and why you know, Amos is still loyal to to her even in death. That's so. Is she the person who rescued him from that life? I wasn't one hundred percent clear on that. Yeah, I, I think she put gave him a place to stay, right? And and Amos kind of graduated from being. Uh, uh, use as as a as chattel right sexual chattel to more of you know drug trafficker and enforcer i i could be wrong about this but i i i maybe i'm misremembering but it seemed like some of the dialogue with the um with the surviving boyfriend kind of suggested that maybe um she started out as just like his handler or den mother or pimp or whatever you want to call it and then and then eventually she helped him get out yeah that be accurate or no? Yeah, I, I think it's gray, and they don't fully flush it out in the in the at least the episode. I don't recall them flushing that out in the short story or novella, but it's been a couple of years since I read it. But oh, uh, I think the reason I feel that way is because why else would the crime lord be willing to give this this woman this sweetheart deal on on the apartment? It suggests that she was part of that life in some way. Yeah, and that this was like her retirement package. I th- took it that uh, Amos did a favor to uh, that fellow, and that was his payoff: is to you know, for Lydia to be protected and have and have this house, and Amos is assuming this name of a dead man to get off planet. And and the uh, the crime lord guy, I, I think at one point he called Amos his brother. Did he mean that literally, like a biological brother, or just that they were both growing up in the same life together? I took it to mean that they were just going up in the same life, right? They were comrades in arms. That's what I figured. 
And what's his name? I just I'm trying to remember his name from the books. Eric. I it's E R I C H. Ah, that's right. Okay. Excellent. I one good thing actually about this uh, show is that you have the option of watching and having the subtitles and just like regular, like for us English, um, like closed captioning. But then there's also just like the personalized, like expanse exclusive subtitles that like talk that does the dialect for you and um like if they talk um in the belcher language then it like writes it out it doesn't just you know give you gibberish or something (laughs) yes possible yeah Yeah. (laughs) and especially when you have like somebody that is speaking with a with an accent but they're speaking in english it's it's easier to understand them which was one of my one of my criticisms when I was remember or when I was originally watching the show on sci-fi. Yeah. Since I didn't have those that plus, luxury. And plus it's helpful if you're trying to learn how to write uh, screenplays uh, that format, yeah. right? And using words and setting uh, scenes up. That's that's where they get a lot of the, of the close caption is actually from the scripts. Also, what happened to Eric's hand? They never explained that either. Yeah, so I'm guessing it's malnutrition or something along those lines. I can't. Oh no, I I took it that they that his hand was chopped off by like a crime lord or something. Yeah, or I think the novella explains that. But again, it's been a while since I read it. But mm-hmm. that novella, I've read the books, but not the yeah, novellas. The novella is great. I I made an effort maybe two years ago, and uh, a lot of novellas are actually I don't say better than the books. But uh, they're they're just as good as the books, and in some ways, yeah, they're they are more insightful because they tell the story which is shorter than the book, and they stay on topic. So I imagine just, they're more character pieces than like action plot stories. Yeah, yeah, fair? exactly. It, it's filling in some of the missing pieces, right, with uh, who people are, the, their backgrounds, the backstories, and you know, the, uh, the st- how the Epstein drive was was invented. Things like that, which we saw in in the first season. Uh huh. I I really like that they incorporate the novellas because, again, even though I've not read the books, like a lot of that extra material, a lot of people would just discount. But the fact that um, they included it just shows how how smart this writing team is, and how um, you know we have excellent. Um, directors and, and a showrunner that really believes in um, believes in the material and it's just is really great to see that they are willing to include that kind of stuff also fun fact uh, i was kind of curious about this when i looked it up but uh the guy that played eric is actually like that is his real arm like i don't know if you know that like the end of it if they added any kind of makeup or like uh, if that's his actual um, what his arm looks like in real life um, if it's sort of like it looked like a little like pointy at the end almost, but he is actually that is that his actual arm because he does only have one arm in real life. Really fascinating. But it, it's good that they like rather than just cast some random guy for a scene like that um, and just make his arm you know be in his in a shirt like we're in the sixties making a 60 sci-fi movie um, or like doing it, doing something with uh, digital effects. They actually cast somebody that was like that. So it was really good to kind of see that representation. Well, the expense is definitely diverse, both in its uh, characters and its acting actors. 
And this is just mm -hmm. another example of diversity in terms of disability, right? And that's great to see. Yeah. And that's something, too, that I, I you know, we've we've been praising the diversity in this show um, really since the first season. And it's just as we have really branched out into more locations and it's not just, you know, following the same group of people on a spaceship, you know, for the next uh, next story of their adventure. You know, all of our characters, for the most part, are you know doing their own things in different locations different types of locations some more fancier than others some are really run down and it's just is it's interesting to just kind of pay attention in the background and just watch the type of people that are at you know extras or what they look like or if they have a speaking part how they sound um it just it really goes to show that it's a it feels like a real lived in like living and breathing universe that we're watching that just, you know, happens to be a TV show. Yeah. And it, it almost like I get like a smell of it because they're in space. The scenes that takes place on space stations or on, you know, space colonies, uh, these people must reek, right? And yeah. <laughs> all these different cultures coming together. So you have different uh, foods being prepared. Yeah, like in the bar scenes, uh, you have all this alcohol stuff uh, uh, going on. Just imagine the, the, the fragrance you get off of the smell of these places, right? You you can almost see that when you watch, like smell it when you watch on TV. It comes across. And that's great on uh, on uh, the producers and the set designers and, and all the production team of, of The Expanse because they do a great job setting the scene. So let's move on to... Uh to Naomi because obviously she's really going through a, a time <laughs> right now. You know, we, we, we start off with her uh, in the company of Holden and she breaks the news to him that she is going to be leaving to attempt to track down um, her son, which she does end up finding by the time we get to see it to episode three. And, you know, we, we've kind of been building up to this moment now throughout most of the series. And I got to be honest, when they first met near the end of uh, episode three and they, it was just not a good, you know, not a good talk and conversation at all. Um, we, uh, you know, we see what happens at the end of the episode with her. It just is really sad because obviously it, it you know, it's, it doesn't take you off guard because it's kind of what you would expect. Like it's sort of the same way with Alex. Like, well, you know, of course that he's going to get his get the door shut in his face by his, I guess, ex-wife. And his kid is a little reluctant to talk to him and, and want to do anything um, with him when they talk on the phone. It's really the same way with Naomi because she has this, she's built up this thought in the back of her mind of, okay, well, when I, you know, get to talk to him again, you know, he'll listen to me. Like, he, he might not want to listen but he will still listen and uh I'll, I'll be able to you know get my words out but that's just not what happens and just to, just to see when you know what everything she's went through to get to this moment to for it to just like go sour is just it, it just gives you like this really sad feeling but also just like a, a weird feeling in the pit of your stomach yeah i think there's a lot of guilt uh, going on with her with naomi right but she did uh uh, leave her son to be raised by Marco, 
Uh, and part of it's because Monica was almost like is almost like a cult figure, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, controlling, gaslighting, all that horrible stuff. Uh, a charmer, but a psychopath at the same time. And you have Naomi who uh, left that scene, and uh, because of that, thus uh, left her contact with her son. And the son was raised, was raised by Marco, believing all these extremist ideological beliefs uh, that uh, the most extremist bolters are founding in this fraction. So, so uh, there's a lot of guilt. I can see that. I can completely buy into it. Uh, I'm not a mother. Of course, not because I'm a guy. Uh, but I'm not even a parent, right? But I do believe that uh, if you have kids, especially if you're a mom, there's, there's a lot of uh, heartache that goes into it. And it's a, it's a whole different experience when you become a parent. So I've been told. I always find a little hard time finding sympathy for Philippe because he is such a little shit. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, it, obviously, it, it sucks that he was left by his mom to be raised by the most awful bastard <laughs> In, in the galaxy, but I mean, oh my god, I, I hate Marco Inaro so much. He is such an evil, evil person. I mean, in a good way. I mean, he's a he's a he's a fascinating villain, but oh my god, he is so horrible <laughs> in so many ways. Well, well it's exactly what um, to go off that point. Uh, he like gets close to Naomi and like talks in her ear real close about. He says something along the lines, "If you were exactly the woman that, or the person that uh, m- my father said you were," and just imagine being Naomi in that instance, and, and just having to deal with just hearing your son essentially be almost a a carbon copy of his father is just, oh, yeah, and also that Philip was the one who got the. Got his uh, gun up and, and and took advantage of Ashford, capturing Ashford, right? When Ashford yeah. was nearly in control of uh, the bridge. It was Philip who saved the day for Marco. Yeah. And we all know what happened to Ashford, yeah. yeah. Which I'm kinda, still salty about. <laughs> I kind of I kind of had an issue with that scene because, okay, just because the, the little kid is holding a gun on you, you still shoot Inaros anyway. Why would he surrender and put his gun down knowing that they were going to kill him no matter what? Why didn't he take out Marcos with him? That didn't make any sense to me. I think that I don't know. You you make a good point, Derek. However, I think it's because in the back in the back of his mind, he was thinking, "Okay, well, maybe if I can get Marcos to talk a little bit, he will you know, reveal some plans and I can send this to drummer who then gets it to Fred Johnson, who then gets it to Avicerala. I think that's the way that it went regardless. Um, you know, all of them know about what happened and you know, I don't know if that was his plan from the start, but you know, had he shot Marco right then, you know, he would have gotten shot and then the others wouldn't have known anything. So he could have kept the gun on him and kept him talking <laughs> You know, but I mean, putting putting the gun down is I mean, there's no way of knowing that they wouldn't put a bullet in his brain right then and there. That is true. That is true. I guess it was (laughs) we can always just go with the uh, well, that's just the way that they wrote it, Derek. (laughs) (laughs) He had Uh, to go. He had to go. Yeah. And that's how the scene unfolded. I don't know. But yeah, good point. 
But yeah, I mean, yeah, that is definitely a good point. And again, I really liked Ashford as a character. He really grew on me uh, from when he was first introduced. And I was very sad to see him go at the end of last season. Yeah, I, I just I, I kind of feel for Naomi now because, you know, she really subjects herself to some harsh conditions to go looking for him. And then just to have that uh, and then be attacked by him and those other two people, which I thought were her friends. But maybe I misunderstood that or like maybe they used to be your friends. They um, they were her friends back when they were all running with Marcos together, but that okay. still doesn't mean that they're not terrorists now. <laughs> yeah, because she was a terrorist too back then. Yeah, but yeah, I'll be just really interesting to see what happens with her and how she has to grapple with the fact that she's like, okay, well, it, it's it's almost to to use a Star Wars reference. It's almost like, well, you know, Luke knows that Darth Vader is a bad person, but it's he's still you know his father and at how, what what length do you go to to attempt to offer that redemption or to, to try to save the person that is your family and w- will she come to that who knows uh you guys probably know because you read the books but i don't know <laughs> mm-hmm. it's a common theme in science fiction that's happening right now in star trek discovery which i don't want to go into but it's the whole you know, parent feeling guilty and trying to save a uh, a son or a daughter from going bad. I feel like that's a classic theme in, in sci-fi now that you do mention it. Yeah. I guess we can go mo- talk about uh, Holden now, who personally had my favorite storyline so far. Yes, and let me tell you why. <laughs> and it, it really hit me in this in this third episode. So he goes and talks to Fred Johnson. And by the way, I'm so glad that Fred Johnson is back because I love that character. Absolutely. Um I am a huge fan of any time you have to, like, solve a mystery. That's one reason why I was really attached to this show at first, because it was, from the viewpoint of Detective Miller, it was a mystery. And um, when he was back in the day of just trying to find where Julie Mao is, those were the days before things went to hell. (laughs) It kind of reminded me of what if Holden was a detective and yeah, granted, he wasn't, you know, going around like solving a crime or like looking for clues or anything, but just him and Fred and um, I don't know what the name of the uh, head security guy was, but when they were looking for um, looking for Monica and, you know, they go in the container and then it turns out to be the wrong container. And then she uh, eventually does get rescued, but barely just that whole that whole plot is just really like intriguing me. It just makes me feel like I'm, I'm watching season one again and I just really enjoy it. Yeah, that's fair. I like the mystery stuff as well. And I like the whole uh, sci-fi noir aspect of it. And perhaps uh, James, you know, Jim Holden learned some stuff for one from one uh, detective Miller. Yeah. Yeah. He did have him in his brain for a while. Yeah. Now all he needs is a good hat. (laughs) All right. And a really stupid fucking haircut. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. And speaking of, of uh, of course, uh, Monica and, and uh, Holden, right? I like the restaurant scene where Monica approached him at the bar and he was having noodles with his chopsticks and having a beer, right? And just yeah. it's a small things like they had this terse conversation. He gets up and he leaves, right? 
And then Monica basically grabs the bowl and finishes his dinner. Things like that. <laughs> That's yeah. Yeah. The other thing I liked in that scene is that there were some random guys at the back of the bar, like cheering them on Rossinante because I mean, yeah, these people are, are, are celebrity superheroes at this point. They saved the world from war and from the proto molecule and everything. So it's nice to see that acknowledgement. Yeah. One thing that I, oh, what was I going to say? It was something about detective Miller and Holden. I don't remember what it was, but. And a hat? Oh. Yeah, no, I already made, made the hat comment. <laughs> oh, I know what it was. Uh, so season, episode three was directed by Thomas Jane, which yes. I don't know if Miller is going to you know show up in any kind of form um, for the rest of the series. But it's nice to know that Thomas Jane is, is back um, at least you know behind the camera this time. I feel like, you know, and I, I don't know anything about his background and directing or or anything like that i'm pretty sure he's um directed a few episodes of the show now but i i I think it's appropriate that in an episode where you know they're they're trying to find out the people that um subdued monica and it's a, a detective story or a a you know hunting down somebody's story that he's the one directing and i just think it's it's very fitting Mm mm-hmm yeah, indeed. I think he's great, and uh, well, hopefully he comes back. Who knows? And it, it was also nice to see, um, I think it may have been in the first episode, that uh, Holden is uh, drinking his uh, trademark coffee. Oh, yeah. And uh, is it me, but the coffee mug? You can probably buy them online, right? That specific coffee mug? Isn't like a marshmallow? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I'm sure you can. If If not... I'm sure somebody has has made it at this point. <laughs> yeah, what what did you guys think about uh, any of the side characters? I know there really wasn't you know a ton going on. We had we had drummer showed up. We had Fred Johnson. Um, who else? Anybody I'm missing? Uh, the the new side character that's the head of security on the well, what's the name of the big space station? <laughs> the one that's Medina, in the null zone. Yeah, the Medina. No, they've changed names in that every couple of bucks. Right? Yeah, now. is it? Well, a... um, that that guy, his, his name is Bull, and I, I think oh, he was right. a book three character that they didn't use in season three, so now they're using him here. So, so that's cool. Uh, we also, uh, have, yeah, if I what we also have the the new uh, dock worker, right? Uh, the dock uh, repair uh, manager. Oh yeah, there's there's this right. engineer woman. She played the crazy spore consciousness on Discovery season two. So yeah. it's nice to see her in something again. Nice. But yeah, I, I love Fred Johnson. He's he's one of the best characters and drummer is interesting as well. I always get confused about remembering like who she is and what she does in the in the shows and the books. So I'm always not quite clear on on who she is, but she's good. <laughs> I and you know, I don't want to spoil myself, but I'm uh, I don't also want to spoil anybody that's not reading the books yet or refuses to read the books. I feel like she doesn't have an arc at this point in the series. Drummer. Yeah. 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 Uh, hint, hint, wink, wink. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, it just, the way that they're going with her, um, you know, she's very torn up about Ashford. Um, I feel you there drummer. Don't worry. 
is just it's really it's really heartbreaking because you know we saw how close they got and how good of friends they were and when she is uh she wakes up from um sleeping with that one girl uh which i'm it, i'm kind of curious to see if they'll explore that in the anymore um in the later episodes but uh when she wakes up and then goes and gets that uh that bottle of alcohol that they were saving is just like oh it pulls at your heart yeah and she's following uh Oxford's steps as to become a pirate right and, yeah and maybe not the most you know Finnish heinous pirate but still a pirate nonetheless I've, I've completely forgotten i remember in season three there was kind of like uh some infighting on the space station. Did she side with Fred or with Ashford? Uh, with Fred, I believe. And so Ashford and, okay. and Drummer were the two rivals, right? So there was a whole okay. big giant thing where they, uh, I think a part, most of, of the season was basically them fighting it out. Yeah. yeah. The difference is because they wanted, you know, one, uh, Ashford wanted to take a hardcore approach to, uh, it wasn't the gate at the time, uh, like uh, the Porter Monocle and, yeah, there was just differences in how to handle the situation. That was so many years yeah. ago. So many years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I always really appreciated Fred Johnson because he was trying to, you know, be the the voice of reason between all the different sides. He was the one person that everyone would listen to because he was an Earther war hero, but then he also changed sides and went to the belt. So he's always been a very interesting character to me. Well, you guys, is there anything else that uh, you want to mention about these first three episodes before we call it quits i just think the cgi in these episodes were amazing great cgi <laughs> <laughs> i i thought i thought it was i mean i i do like to get one episode at a time but getting these three together was a good package because we kind of got through the slow spell and now the asteroid is hit so obviously things are gonna accelerate and pick up from here so i am really looking forward to the rest of the season because I I remember when I read book five, the beginning of it, the sections that we just saw, it was kind of slow. It didn't really seem to be going anywhere. It was just like, you know, what's with all these little standalone character stories. This isn't a, you know, this there's, there's no spine to it. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens in the rest of this season and in next season as well. Yeah. We're, we're in for all good stuff here on out i would say yeah i'm with you there derek i know last night i watched the first my intent was to watch the first episode and then watch the second and third uh this evening before we recorded but i had a little bit of extra time so i went ahead and watched the second one and i'm glad i did because i'm i'm with you that it's it was slow not because it was bad but it was just like if that was a TV episode, you're like, okay, well, what what was the point? Like nothing really happened, and it'd be difficult to talk, talk about. So yeah, I, I definitely like the fact that they released three episodes right off, off the bat. The way that everything progressed, it had a good beginning, middle, and end. And I probably would have been honestly fine with just having the first two episodes, um, and then saving the third one. But it did have a nice beginning, middle, and end. Yeah, we, we definitely hit a major plot moment at the end of episode three to get us excited for the rest of it yeah now that is one one thing so we do see um a piece of the uh, what would you call it an asteroid 
Yeah, it was in. it was a, a big rock covered in stealth material hitting the Earth. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting because in the books, I think there was multiple asteroids, stealth asteroids, but in the TV show right now, we've only seen one asteroid strike. So uh, it'd be interesting to see how they're going to do the next episode. If it's just one asteroid, because that will serve the same purpose in terms of storytelling, or is it going to be multiple asteroids? Well, we know he launched several rocks, and then the one broke up at the beginning of this season. So, um, yeah, more could hit. Who knows? I, I will ask, was there a reason that it caused such big destruction? Yeah. It was a big hunk of uh, it was a big hunk of heavy metal so that it wouldn't burn up in the atmosphere. Because he obviously okay. he was launching things intended to hit the Earth, not to burn up. Yeah, yeah. I so think... he he chose material that would do the most damage. And Chris, I think you can ask the dinosaurs what happens when uh, like a meteor. <laughs> well, I did. I just didn't know because I mean I didn't know in comparison to like a city, like a, a large city, how big the rock was, and especially yeah. well, if it was. We'll made find of, out next like, next episode. Material. Because I saw I that and was like, wait a minute, just maybe, and maybe it was just the the way that the the camera had uh, just went over the shot. I, I felt like it was small, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, it maybe it's just like a, a lack of perspective of, of me paying attention. Well, but, by, the, by the sounds of it, it made a lasting impact on you. It did. <laughs> a very a lasting deep impact, impact, one might say. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that uh, that poor guy that was just trying to fish, man. He had <laughs> he had some uh, Rogue One vibes. <laughs> the shame he didn't have somebody there to hug him. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about, or do you want to wrap it up? I think we should wrap it up. I think it's good. We've yep. talked about lots, and uh, I can't wait for the next episode. Uh, and uh, I like the fact that we'll have single episodes to talk about uh, for the rest of the season, so we can yeah. do the deep dives into it. Yeah. And I promise everyone that this season we're actually going to release them on a decent schedule. Maybe not. Hopefully we'll be able to get to it weekly. If you know the whole reason that Derek is here, not because we don't like Derek because <laughs> we do like him. He's very been very supportive of the show, but we did have some scheduling conflicts, which is why no one else could be here. Um, but we didn't want me and Joel just rambling on and on for two hours. So um, we need somebody to to reel us in. Isn't that right, Derek? Yeah, you needed a weirdo in the mix. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Lord. So yeah, we're, we're going to be, um, you know, assuming that there's no scheduling uh, issues uh, from here on out, we're going to be doing one episode of the podcast per episode of the show um, if something changes and, you know, it gets to a Monday or Tuesday and we're not able to record, we'll just call it for that week and um just do another combination like we are tonight but we'll get that out hopefully relatively soon um soon after that the episodes air or that at least they, they get recorded so just want to thank everyone for their support and, and their patience with us i know that we didn't really get to talk about the season finale for season four just with everything going on in the world right now it's just life has been insane uh for for all of us so just would like to thank again everyone for their support and and patience and uh, faith in continu continuing to listen to the show, especially if you've been with us since uh, since the beginning. But yeah, just I uh, want to close off letting you guys uh, talk about your Twitter handles and uh, Joel, you can talk about your your other show. Uh, Derek, where can we find you? 
I'm at Derek JBB. And how do you spell your last name? <laughs> e is in boy, E is an elephant, E is an elephant, B is in boy, E is an elephant. There you go. It's not like B, E, like B letter B and then B letter B. That would be a lot easier. I should change it to that. You should. Yeah. <laughs> My God, Derek, what phonetic alphabet do you follow, man? Okay. <laughs> it's not the military version. Well, I can type if I, that. If I say beta, epsilon, epsilon. No, I that's mean, not that, even that. that. That seems to be more confusing for people. Bravo, echo, echo, bravo, echo, right? Okay. <laughs> okay, that is better. I should remember that. Bravo, echo. <laughs> Joel, where can we find you? Yes, I'm on Twitter at my first name, Joel, J O E L underscore and my last name which is welch so that's w-e-l-c-h i also have my own personal show which i've been doing for the last couple of years called the sci-fi podcast and derek who just went on before me he's one of the main hosts of the show so uh, it's a very laid-back uh basically bar style conversation show where we discuss themes and products and properties and uh, science fiction and pop culture I think that uh, we should have another crossover episode this season. What oh, do you think? Oh, yeah. I would love that. Derek, what do you think? Sure. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so just don't ask about the kitchen. <laughs> and last but not least, you can find me at The Curse of Chris on Twitter. And you can follow the podcast at Crash Couch. Please leave us a review if you want to do that. You know, that's fine, too. Uh, just be sure to subscribe. So you can get all the episodes as they are released. Uh, like I said, we will do our best to get a to get these episodes put out in a timely fashion this time. Let us know what you think about the episode. Let us know what you think about the season so far. And uh, until next time, take care. Bye now. Bye.